my why is sometimes I can, it changes. And sometimes I can remember the, the glorious why of being on that mountain above the anchorage in Pongo Pongo. <laughs> and that seems, that's a very good one. And I love to hold that. That's about appreciating what we have in the moment and not taking any day for granted. And I think that's important. There's also days where I want to smoke and there's days I want to drink and which is crazy, but um, you know, the running keeps me involved with something else. Um, and then of course there's endorphin releases and, and <laughs> the depression that comes if I don't. So I, I've always battled with mental illness and, and so not, um, not having that physical canvas to like kind of sort of paint my artistic picture on, I, I end up feeling a bit lost and, and can get really down. And, Welcome or welcome back to the Virtum Podcast, Running Long. I'm your host, Francesco Puppi. I'm a professional athlete for Nike and also a veteran coach. Today's guest is Leo Perschel, a veteran athlete from California. Leo has an incredible story in endurance sport, and he went from being an ultra cyclist to sailing around the world during the pandemic, to becoming a smoker and quitting any kind of physical activity, to finding the love for running again. This year, Leo was signed up for Black Canyon 100K and he felt very well prepared, but he ended up dropping out for injury and questioning his value as an athlete and his life choices. It took a few weeks to reset and get healthy again, and then he managed to bounce back with a very strong finish at Lake Sonoma 50 Mile. This is an inspiring story of setbacks and success, and a great example that progress is almost never linear. I'm grateful to Leo for being so open about his struggles and what he went through physically and mentally over the past few months. For those of you who are new here, Bertrand is the number one training app for trail and ultramarathon runners of all levels. Our mission is to make trail running accessible to everybody everywhere through affordable coaching. And this is why all our coaching plan costs $25 a month. With your Bertrand subscription, you will get a personal coach who checks in with you each week to answer your questions, adjust your training plan, and keep you accountable and inspired. This year, Bertrand is also the official online coaching for the UTMB Mont Blanc event and the Skyrunner World Series. That means that we have designed specific training plans for 14 different races by UTMB, including the UTMB World Series finals in Chamonix, plus all the Skyrunner War Series races. Discover more on our app and unlock your best finish ever with Bertrand. So here we go. Without further ado, Leo Perschel. Leo Perschel, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Francesco. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for taking the time to, to have a chat with me. How are you doing, first of all? I'm doing I'm doing well. It's my day off from work, so that's good. And uh, it's a nice, lovely morning. It's starting to get warm here in California. So yeah, it's a great day so far. Yeah. And uh, California is also getting ready for Canyons, Canyons Ultra by UTMB this weekend. So mm-hmm. big, uh, a big race going on. How, how far is it from where you live? Mm, it's about, it's probably about a three hour drive. So not too far. Auburn's not too far at all. Um, yeah, and the, I guess the hundred miles started about ten minutes ago. It's <laughs> cool. Be hot. So yeah, I'm happy to be uh, happy to be in the shade inside talking with you. 
Awesome. So it's it's been a couple of weeks of recovery from you. We did uh, Lake Sonoma uh, a couple of weeks ago. Maybe just start um, with, you know, how's the recovery going? And then we'll talk about the race itself and uh, how we got there. Yeah, the recovery's been... The recovery has been pretty good. Usually when I have a nice, nice race like this year's Lake Sonoma, uh, it's hard for me to want to recover afterwards. I get very excited. I start to look for the next race. I want to go run with my friends and go do long runs. So I've been trying to, uh, trying to be good and find that balance of not doing too much, but not doing too little. But uh, all in all, yeah, the recovery's recovery's going well, and most importantly, my mental recovery's been uh, better than say my Black Canyon earlier in the year. Yeah, well, we'll talk about the Black Canyon experience compared to the experience that we had at Lake Sonoma because I think it's important to talk about you know the good and not so good side of things. So Black Canyon was um, definitely a learning experience, I think. Um, Leo unfortunately didn't finish the race. He was very well prepared, I believe, but um, you know it ended up being not a an ideal way, and he decided to pull out, uh, not to risk a, a big injury to his Achilles. Um, do you consider Lake Sonoma like your kind of home race? Yeah, uh, yes and no. It's. Mm -hmm. It's a, not a place that I ever go and train. So the only time I ever I ever go, it's just far enough for me that I I won't drive. All right. Uh, I prefer not to drive the trailheads anyway. If I can run from my home, um, that's what I'll always do. So it does feel like home in that I see a lot of people that I know, uh, and a lot of the the local running company uh, community is there, which is great. Um, so I guess yeah, I guess it is a home race sort of. Yeah. So before we get into um like the the main the main focus of this conversation, like the meat of potatoes, um, which is training, maybe give a little introduction about who you are, um, like where you're from and uh, how did you did you find us? How did you find Bird and started training with us? Oh, that's a that's a, a quite a long story in a lot of ways, so I'll <laughs> keep it as short as possible. Um it's a really nice story. Obviously, my name is Leo, um, and I have been running for maybe maybe about five years now. This is probably my fifth year of running. I was a, a competitive cyclist after that, um, and I came to running to quit smoking the same way I, I came to cycling um, a, over a decade ago. So I was a, a heavy cigarette smoker and and decided to use sports to quit that and then quickly became quite competitive and addicted to the uh, work ethic of sport in general. Um, I did that with cycling for a long time. And, and then my wife and I decided to take a, we're both sailors and we decided to take a, uh, try to take a sailing trip around the world on our little yacht. And when, um, when we decided to do that, I quit cycling and uh, quickly started smoking and, and, and all the addictive stuff like that again. So um, part of the way uh, across the Pacific, I realized that something was missing and that was sports. So uh, I became an athlete again uh, by running because I had a pair of running sh shoes on the boat. So that made it pretty easy. So that's a very condensed uh, 
that's a very <laughs> convenient story because it could go on and on and on, obviously. Um, but uh, I would I, I would love if you can go a little deeper, especially maybe in your life as a sailor, because it sounds so you know adventurous and exotic to me. Uh, it's very interesting. So we don't talk about running all the time. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, they're, well, they're closely tied. I mean, yeah. In 2017, my wife and I uh, set sail on a little 28-foot boat from San Francisco, uh, and our objective was to sail around the world. And so doing that, we sailed down the coast of California into Mexico, and we spent um, a few months in Mexico waiting for the right season across the Pacific to start heading towards uh, the South Pacific Islands and, the, and through French Polynesia. Um, so we... Our first uh, big offshore passage was we did a 25-day sail from uh, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico to um, to the Marquesas Islands, which are the westernmost islands of French Polynesia, or the easternmost, rather, sorry. And um, yeah, it was lovely. It was very a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear because it's, you're very exposed, and it was a new experience for, for us. And, and so... Um, I was smoking and I was drinking and doing the things that a non-athletic person might do when they're, you know, nervous and scared and anxious. And, and so we, we kept doing, kept sailing and um, slowly making our way towards Tahiti. And my, my wife one day noticed that I had a little, a little bump on my chest. And so she said, that looks very strange. We should get that looked at. So when we got to Papiete in French in, uh, in Tahiti, We went to a dermatologist and they biopsied it and it came back as positive for melanoma. So now I have something that I'm, you know, even more afraid of. And so I start wondering, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with this thing? I need to find a surgeon that can take this off. So we start sailing around the islands looking for a surgeon. And one of the places we went was uh, Pongo Pongo in American Samoa. And so we sailed in there and, and, um, met a bunch of other sailors and a lot of cancer survivors and people were talking to me about their journeys. And I just realized that like, it was so important to live life and be the person that, you know, that I wanted to be and not be scared and smoking and, and, you know, living without a true identity. And so there was a mountain up above the Anchorage in Pongo Pongo. And I cannot remember the name of this, of this mountain. I still have it. I go back and look at this on Strava because it was the first <laughs> I think it was the first run I put on Strava since I was a cyclist. That's awesome. And so I had an old pair of Montreal uh, trail running shoes in the boat. And I, I grabbed them and put some shorts on and I rode to shore to the beach. And I took, a, took my, first run as a, my first real run as a trail runner. So, uh, yeah, it was, I think it was about 12 miles and probably 2,500 feet of gain or something, something ridiculous. And it was really, really hot outside. And. And I came back and I was so, so excited. And I finally felt like I was an athlete, you know, on that run, I realized like, what would I do if I knew I was going to die? And I was like, one of the things I want to do is, is try to be, you know, try to be a really good trail runner. So, <laughs> so that's kind of where it all started. And I came back to the boat and I told my wife who has always found my longest races, um, you know, and my craziest races, they always have come from her. Um, I said, Hey, I, I want you to find me a hundred mile race in New Zealand. I really want to do a hundred mile race when I get there. So, uh, it took her a couple of hours. We went and found some internet and she, uh, she came up with this race called the Revenant ultra adventure run, uh, in the South Island, New Zealand. It was going to be its first year. You had to apply for it and, and then send a resume of your experience. And so I did all of that. And it was a, it was basically a Barkley marathons of New Zealand. 
And the uh, race director sent me an email back and was like, oh, we'd love to have you. Like, your story is super great. Like, of course you can come. We can't wait to host you. And and so I, I promptly started training for this hundred and, well, I mean, it was, um, you know, it's all off trail and it's route finding. So if you nailed the navigation perfectly, you had 135 miles with 60,000 feet of elevation gain wow. in 60 hours. So I went from nothing to training for, you know, 135 mile race. Uh, once again, addictive personality. So that's how, that's how I kind of came into running. Um, and the story of becoming a runner uh, and all the pitfalls and all the glory and all those things, that's a, that's a very, you know, there's a lot of components to that and, and a lot of confusion, a lot of mistakes, a lot of too much too soon and a lot of injuries, very bad injuries. And, and uh, some DNFs and some some hundred mile races and yeah and eventually uh, reaching out uh, my wife again found found Vert and so I was like I think I need some help I don't really know what I'm doing <laughs> and uh, and yeah that was two years ago and she found you guys when we were in Auckland New Zealand and I was super 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 excited to get a training plan and be working with the coach again. That's awesome. Did you end up finishing the race in New Zealand? Well, no, uh, nobody did that year. Wow. Uh, furthest, so there were, I think, 20, 29 of us for the first year. Uh, and it was crazy. The, if For anyone that's never heard of The Revenant, I highly recommend looking it up. It's, it's beautiful. It's on a huge, huge um, private station on the South Island, south of Queenstown. So it's just an epic venue and really, really amazing and super brutal and just was no way ready for that in any way. So no, uh, no one finished and, but we kind of went down in history as the original. So like yeah. we, we always have a place in the race now. We don't have to apply for it ever again um, since we were the first ones to kind of go out and run the beta on the thing. Um, and I've been back once since I've trained for it two times uh, that I didn't show up. So it's definitely one of those races that get into your head, get into your heart. The community feels really much like a blood fam family, you know, you get very close. Uh, so awesome. I'd love to go and do it again. Love to finish. I think to date, there's only been three finishers. Wow. Uh, and I was there for the second year, two people finished. And then the, the last year I was there, which was the year we left. So I guess that was 21 um yeah one person finished and he he was on the course for two laps by himself so nearly 30 hours alone out there it's pretty impressive wow so after that experience in new zealand you decided to sail back to to california and just start a new life as a as a runner basically well sort of not really uh we were gonna we were gonna sail back home but of course we got caught in so we got into new zealand about a year before covid and then we were yeah. there when so we were in the lockdown there. Um, but it was time to leave and time to start making our way back home because we were, you know, getting kind of low on money. So mm -hmm. uh, we tried to find a route that we could take where ports were still open because a lot of the ports for uh, global sailors had, were closed. You couldn't move around because of COVID. So um, we found a route that would take us north to Fiji, then over to Guam and then to Japan and then over to the United States from Japan. And so I decided, okay, we're going to, we'll start this trip. We're going to go that way. Um, everything looked good. Um, and I was going to do an FKT at each place that we, 
stop. So I wanted to try to do an ultra, some sort of an ultra distance FKT in Fiji. And then I had looked, I joined the Guam runners group and wanted to do maybe like a perimeter run or a hundred mile run there. Um, that was before uh, your previous guest had set that FKT. Um, it would have been nice to meet him. Um, and, and anyway, we were uh, moving north in New Zealand and then Fiji got a huge outbreak of COVID. And so they closed the country to sailors. And that was our big stepping stone that we needed to sail home. So uh, ultimately, we left the yacht in Auckland and flew home and arranged for her to get put on a ship and sent back across the ocean on top of a ship and not on her own bottom. So, wow. so that's how that, that all ended a, a rather abrupt ending. It took us over a year to sail from San Francisco to New Zealand and over all that ocean and all that fear. And then we hop on a plane and fly for 12 hours and it's over <laughs> just think a lifetime of experiences below us, but in an airplane, it's just nothing. It doesn't even exist. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a really cool experience though. Like, thinking about the whole journey and the pandemic and you know the 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 story of the melanoma and you finding your why in running again is just incredible i think so powerful um so from the way that it sounds um i think like running at first represented a way to cope with anxiety and the fact that you weren't feeling like yourself. Um, and that's probably why you find some kind of solace um, or just comfort in running. Does that represent the same uh, now or how has how's your relationship with running evolved over these, you know, three, four years? Yeah, I think that's a good question. And it's and it's one I, I kind of moderately would anticipate being asked in something like this. And I and I think that um I would like to say that there's been a a true and pure evolution and that I'm a higher person now and have a deeper calling. But I think that we carry all the little bits of the why as it changes with us, you know, maybe from the very beginning as a competitive cyclist. Uh, why was I doing it? I think I was seeking external validation to feel accepted in a culture and a community. Um, I think I, I spent a lot of time of my life seeking uh, that from other people. Yeah. Uh, I think that I also have used it because I am an addictive personality. And so uh, trying, trying to keep myself a little bit more healthy and not kill myself with bad food or, you know, bad uh, habits like smoking or excessive drinking and things like that, uh, which run in my family. Uh, so I, I, I carry a little bit of all that with me, even to this day. Um, if I, I, you know, you'll, you, as my coach should probably see that, like, I, I don't like to just come and take time off because for me, I start to battle with a lot of what I've always called inner demons. And I know it's a dark word for it, but sometimes it feels rather dark. So yeah, uh, my why is sometimes I can, it changes and sometimes I can remember the, the glorious why of being on that mountain above the anchorage in Pongo Pongo. <laughs> and that seems, that's a very good one. And I love to hold that. That's about appreciating what we have in the moment and not taking any day for granted. And I think that's important. There's also days where I want to smoke and there's days I want to drink and which is crazy, but um, you know, the running keeps me 
involved with something else. Um, and then of course there's endorphin releases and, and <laughs> the depression that comes if I don't. So I, I've always battled with mental illness and, and so not, um, not having that physical canvas to like kind of sort of paint my artistic picture on, I, I end up feeling a bit lost and, and can get really down and have a real, really big struggle with, um, with life. So I would say that it's evolved and that I've started to understand all these different components that make me an athlete, make me want to do it, but they all come up just depends on the day. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally relate to this. Um, you know, I was thinking it's, uh, it's very profound and interesting how, you know, I'm, I'm your coach, but I feel like I'm also learning so much from you, um, from the way that I can relate to your experiences and to some of the mental processes and things that you feel and that you go through. Um, it's not necessarily the same for everyone, but I think for sensitive people as we probably are, um, we feel a lot of those emotions and, and struggles and, you know, mental processes that <laughs> definitely keep a, our mind busy and sometimes maybe too busy. So it's good to have someone to talk to and, uh, you know, it's, it's also good to, to keep some kind of privacy because in the end, uh, these are very personal topics and, and things that we would deal with inside ourselves, but, um, it's also kind of comforting to know that someone else is also, struggling in the same way going through the same experiences the same fears and emotions so thank you for sharing that it's very very powerful um i wanted to touch on the topic of seeking external validation again because um you know it's something that i think in uh, in our society in our world uh, today um a lot of people can can relate to um I was, I was actually, you know, talking to my, my therapist that to me running has been an instrument to not to seek external validation, but to feel like I'm worth something to feel like I can belong to some kind of group or community and to show people that I, I have a value as maybe as a runner, I don't know if as a person, but, you know, it's a lot of times it's been just a, an instrument to show people that I can't do, I can be at the level that I, I want to be. Um, so you you were mentioning that for, for cycling, for when you were an ultra cyclist, is, is it still a little bit the same or... Like how, how is it, how is running different from, from that experience of ultra cycling for you? Oh yeah. Um, there's a few, there's a few different ways. I find the community to be very different. Okay. Uh, the running community, particularly for me speaking on an ultra distance, I, I don't have a lot of sub or any sub ultra distance experience really. But the ultra distance in trail running, the people that I've met along the way are very open about their struggles. It's a place It's a place where we can be sensitive and we can be open about it. Um, so I, I've always found it to be pretty rewarding 
and accepting where the cycling was a little bit more closed. And I think that that, I, I don't know if that's just because you spend so much time like by yourself on a bike and the wind is in your ears and you can't hear, or, or if it draws a different type of person truly, but I just never had the same connection. So, so that's, that's, yeah, that's one thing. Um, um yeah, I, I, you have to remind me a little bit about what where we're going with this particular conversation because uh, I I start to think about cycling and I get I just go down a crazy rabbit hole and I, now I don't even remember <laughs> what we're talking about. <laughs> no, just you know comparing the cycling experience to the current running uh, thing that you're doing. Yeah, for me, like when I was when I was really into the ultra distance and that's twenty four hour solos and and bike pack racing like the Tour Divide. I was really seeking external validation. I was really, really looking to be accepted. So when the, when I didn't find the community that I was looking for, I felt rejected actually, which made me work harder, a lot harder trying to say, well, I'll just be, I'll just be better. I'll just go faster. I'll just go farther uh, than other people. And then that'll get me accepted by the community. So I was definitely looking to feel that sense of worth. Like you, you mentioned yeah. previously. I think that that carried over when I decided to become an athlete again as a runner. And I, my very first thought was I'll find a hundred mile race in New Zealand. You know, like the logical thing would have been like, like I ran that 12 miles and woke up the next day and couldn't even walk. Right. So logically I would have thought, hmm, maybe I'll find a half marathon or I'll do, you know, a 10 K or I'll do something couch to 5k like I should have done. Instead. I, I think I, my mind was pre-wired to go big to try to get, credit and to try to be seen. Um, so I think that my, my cycling struggled with that a lot. And ultimately it created a lot of pressure, uh, a lot of, it was very, very hard for me to cope with that pressure being sensitive. Like I am, um, if, you know, if, if the pressure gets too great or if anyone says anything negative about me or anything, it, it really did crush me at that time. Um, and, and so, um, so yeah, I, I think, I think that's how it was different. And, and, and now I just, um, I really, really battle that and try to make sure that I'm not, um, I'm not seeking that as much. However, some of that did show up at black Canyon. And mm -hmm. so that I think is, is, you know, was unfortunate and it is a component of maybe focusing too in, intensely on something, uh, especially something like black Canyon where there's so much, I don't know how you do it. Uh, I don't know how you operate in that, that world stage with all that energy and all the predictions and, and how you can go into that and, and perform and, uh, and not just, and not think, just come to pieces, <laughs> honestly. You know, honestly, I, I think this is what makes us all equal, uh, like from the couch to 5k runner to the, top elite professional runner like in the end we i i suppose i hope that we all do it for for the love of the sport because we we have a good time on the trail we have fun uh it's a way to to get to know ourselves better i think uh in during an endurance effort you really get to know yourself in a very profound and deep way um and to me that's that's very important you know it's something that really attracts me towards 
running and training and the consistency of training and being trying to be disciplined because it takes uh, a lot of discipline and you know repeating the same efforts over and over again for days months years so i hope in the end this is what attracts us towards the sport and whether you're doing that you know as a recreational runner or in the world biggest stage um it it doesn't really matter it's it's the same it has the same value just on a different scale um yeah so I, I I wasn't expecting this conversation would go on a on such a you know um how should I say like almost psych psychological or <laughs> mental um um direction but uh it's 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 very cool it's very very important um I would say that's that's pretty much the direction that everything in my life goes um, <laughs> So I'm yeah, not me too. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I tend to overthink and just keep thinking about things that I'm doing sometimes too much. Um so yeah, I I guess I I'm dealing with all that a lot by myself too. Uh and it's not be, it's not because like you know, people imagine that as a professional runner I have a lot of free time and I don't know what to do with my with the time that I'm not running, for example, I'm I'm actually super busy with with Bert, with a different project, the Pro Trail Runners Association, with training and and everything. But I tend to reflect a lot on things, and uh, I don't know. I'm just a very, I yeah, kind of deep and thoughtful person. So it's it's easy that I that some thoughts um get caught up in in a loop and uh i keep thinking and thinking about them so well, yeah. and i think from a, as an athlete that's coached by you that comes through in emails when you give guidance particularly after black canyon when i had a lot of struggle mm -hmm. send you an email and you would always come back from like on a deeper level than i would ex have ever anticipated or expected and it was always exactly the right thing i think that i needed to hear um, you always seem to be one step ahead of me in that in <laughs> sort of that like mental and, and, you know, psychological struggle. So that was, yeah, there's a lot of value in that. I think Thank um, you. being a coach for sure. Yeah. You know, I think a coach should not just provide technical guidance. Um, it doesn't necessarily need to be like a motivator because I'm not trying to instill like to to pass on you any kind of motivation for training for getting out of the door or do the workouts but i think it's important that the coach the coach understands the struggles the fears the like whatever is going on inside the the athlete that is coaching um on an an emotional level especially because it's important and in the facts the way we perform and we feel about training and, and running in general. So I always try to put training in the greater context of life, you know, of the life of a person and trying to understand what place running um, takes in the life of anyone. 
whether that's, you know, just uh, 30 minutes a day or two hours a day for, you know, five times a week or whatever. So for me, it's important to understand that. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, the, the way I was helping you after Black Canyon was just the same things that I would try to tell myself after some kind of experience that didn't go the way that I expected. So nothing else. Um, just trying to to be supportive, share a little bit of my experience and um, take the positive out of maybe what is what would be considered a negative situation because in the end, it's always a chance to grow and, uh, and learn. So um, maybe let's talk a little bit about... Um, the experience of Black Canyon. Um, let's start from from the training because it's like really the first race that we approached with more focus. Um, since like after I think it was in October last year that you became like a Vertran ambassador and um, what we call like pro Vertran athlete. Um, and our first big goal of the season was Black Canyon. Talk about the preparation and the race experience. Well, for me, um, becoming an ambassador was a, was a huge, just excitement and boost. It came at a time where I was struggling and at work and I was having a lot of, you know, trying to understand my why, what I was doing, how I wanted to go forward with running because I was at a, I was sort of at a crossroads where I needed to decide, like, do I want to put more into this? Do I want to take, put a little less and focus more on my career, uh, and I decided, um, I thought back to that mountain concept in Pongo Pongo and it was like, well, we only live once I'm, you know, 40 at the time I was 45 years old. So, you know, there's, we, we know that, you know, things like our days aren't guaranteed and things can get harder as we get older, obviously. So I decided to want to put more in. And when, and when you, um, when you approach me about being an ambassador, I get quite excited. And then we decided, okay, well found a race that was i think what was it four and a half months away or something uh, in black canyon which i love as a cyclist i always love the winter my brain still works in a seasonal program where it's like the winter was sort of your off season to really focus on how you're going to get ready for the, the you know the next year so it felt really natural to me to set my sight on black canyon and and that was sort of you know here that's a national stage it's obviously a, a huge race in the states um yeah. And so I was like, I can finally put a hundred percent. I got this great coach. Um, I've got a lot of energy. I decided to leave my job and go work at a running store to be just completely surrounded and consumed by all things trail running. Um, and then go and, and give it my best shot and see what that looks like against the best that we have in the country. And that's something I've always wanted to do. I, I, I always, I always wanted to see, like, I'd rather be, 20th or 30th at a national level race than like first in, in just like, you know, the regional race for three people show up. So exactly. So I, I was excited. And as you know, uh, I, I mean, I, I just put my head down and did the work. I'm very, uh, I'm not a super sophisticated guy and that I've never been heavy on data collection and analyzing that data. I've always kind of, I have this, I guess like an old school American work ethic of like, you just sort of put your head down, put your back into it and, you know, shovel the dirt kind of thing. And so that's what I did going forward with Black Canyon. And, and I don't, I don't think I really missed any workouts. I, if I did, they were very, very small. Um, so, so yeah, that's, uh, 
that was how, you know, it felt. And I just focused in on it and I felt really excited about the prospects. Um, it's a, it's a, it was a race that I, it was a course anyway, that I rode on my mountain bike back when I was a competitive cyclist, I rode with my wife. Over, it took us like three days to ride it, you know, and of course you, they run it like seven and a half hours or yeah. something, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, uh, so that's, yeah, that was my, kind of my approach going into it. And then what, what went wrong during race day? Because you DNF, uh, it's not what we expected, but, uh, you know, we need to accept the positive and the negative from any experience. So talk a little bit about that. Well, um, I think that I had a lot to prove. And I think my old friend, the wanting to prove myself to other people showed back up in my life. Uh, and I didn't really, I think I was so focused. I didn't pay attention to that. I wasn't kind of, I wasn't keeping a broader, uh, I lost the forest for the trees. I was focusing on just one thing and not looking at the whole picture. I developed a quite bad, what I thought at the time was like heel bursitis. I don't think I ever told you about any of this either. You know, this is like classic. You don't want to, don't want to seem weak. You don't want your coach to pull You told back. me a little bit, but maybe I didn't <laughs> quite understand how serious the situation was. So it was pretty bad. I mean, the first 20 minutes of any run was like agonizing mm. uh, to the point where you couldn't like, I mean, it was just so, so painful. And, and, and so every run was like this horrible. It's like, you're like, oh no, I have to go run, you know, cause you're dreading that first 20 minutes. And then after 20 minutes, everything was fine. So I just kind of, I came to accept that as normal. Like, 20 minutes of absolute misery and then everything else is okay. And then I think it was like one of my last long training runs. That was a day. I, I think it was like a 40, I think I did a 44 mile training run and I chopped some of it off and like walked it. because I was like, Oh, this is a little far. I probably should walk like the last three miles or something. But on that run, I got an Achilles uh, flare up like, way it was a big loop so it was way on the backside of the loop i had no phone i had no way out there was only one way out and it was to get home and to run and it was in the winter and it was going to get dark and i had no headlamp so i just had to run the thing uh, on a achilles flare up and that just set it in for the for black canyon i think if i had it to do over i probably wouldn't have even gone you know there's the expense and the time and yeah risk that you take. And, and I think if I was, if I was less focused on proving myself and more focused on the big picture, I would have just said, you know what, coach, this isn't working out. Like I have, unfortunately, this is really disappointing, but instead I, I just went and I tried it and I, I mean, I got away for a little while, about 20 <laughs> miles. Yeah. I mean, you shouldn't blame yourself too much because I, I completely understand, uh, From your words, I, I was thinking about a couple of things. First one is, you know, it's it's not guaranteed that the coach um, doesn't make any mistake. You know, maybe I've also made a mistake from my side. Um, and the second thing is that, once again, um, the communication between the athlete and the coach is crucial because, like, the coach never knows how the athlete is feeling. Um, and this is particularly true for, you know, our relationship with athletes with Vert that is not in person, but is just online, unfortunately. So the, it's, it's really up to the athlete to tell the coach how he's feeling, how the workouts are going, how training is going. And 
if something is not going right, there is really no reason why the athlete shouldn't tell the coach because it's like it's super important. Plans can always change. Uh, there's always adjustments that can be made to any training plan. There is always some kind of solution that can be found. Um, and it's all about, you know, looking at the big picture. But if the coach doesn't know, he will not realize and just think that everything is going fine. And, you know, it will, it will never, like the athlete will never be able to to solve his issues or just, you know, um, recover from an injury or or whatever. So there is these two things that I, I wanted to point out. Um, but I think in the end, the Black Canyon experience taught us a lot. Um, and we cannot, we came out stronger from this experience. Uh, I felt like, you know, from the emails that we exchanged after the race, from the way you took this, yeah, it was a failure on, on one hand. And uh, on another hand, it was uh, a chance to realize that something had to change. Um, and I feel like it did change. Um, maybe you know it's it's not always um meant to to be like that in in a way that you know some sometimes things just just happen and we take a direction and not the other almost by chance just because you know you find yourself in that situation and um that's how things develop but i think in the end that was a a good learning experience and I I I hope it will be a, a useful experience for for your future, not just as an athlete, but uh, overall as a person. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm proud of the maturity that I showed. That teaches me that that showed me that I I I am adaptable and I can learn as yeah. an athlete. Um, and you know, and I'm very happy to see how our relationship as athlete and coach um, came through that, and it showed that it was based on things you know that were very human in nature and very natural, as opposed to just numbers and statistics. And and so, yeah, it's it, it was a growing experience. It feels great um, to have gotten through that initial portion of it. You know, I'm not on the bike as much for cross training now, and. Yeah. And I'm back to running and I feel hopeful. And, and then I had a successful Lake Sonoma, exactly, uh, which was important because I, you know, that takes a lot of courage because if I, you know, for me, if I would have gone into Lake Sonoma and also DNF'd out of that, that, that starts to set kind of a precedent in your mind. And then yeah. that can be a bit dangerous to get into those, those losing streaks, so to speak. So, um, so yeah, I think that took a, a big shift in my approach and my mentality in order to yeah. make that race successful. You you managed to prove yourself that you could get it done uh, in a really good way because in the end you got twentieth in a very competitive race. It was a selection race for the world championship, so it was definitely no joke. Um, and you ran a very very solid, very smart race uh overtook a lot of people in the second half so you know race management was there um fitness was also there because basically what we did we we took advantage of the fitness that we built uh, in the first part of the year um after we you know we recovered from the injury that you 
suffered suffered from at Black Canyon, and with just a, a few workouts, but not like a full preparation. Uh, we showed up at Black Canyon and uh, sorry at Lake Sonoma, and um, yeah, it probably even it was even better than we expected. So um, overall, like a, a very positive experience, and yeah, it it gives yourself some kind of validation because it proves you that you can do it you you are at that level um with that result um but in the end i think the greatest lesson is in this whole journey um with the experience of black canyon and then this sort of revenge uh at lake sonoma yeah right exactly the the revenge that's uh, a <laughs> yeah improving ones you know i think i i was definitely looking for internal validation on that one and yeah. uh and that was the that was the marked difference, really. Um, yeah, yeah. I think you know, internal validation can be a positive uh, motivation for putting in the work and having a goal. Um, just yeah, um, motivating yourself towards something that maybe scares you a little bit, but if you get it done, you get a, a huge sense of reward and, and validation. That's true. I think it's important to set big goals and not, not have fear to, to chase our dreams and, and dream big, you know, it's what motivates us to strive, strive for being better. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to Running Long. In this quick break, I just wanted to share with you a message from one of the athletes that we coached to Bert Run named Will, who won Belmonte 50K in Virginia in the United States, training with Ruth Croft 50K training plan. He says, It was a great race and I felt like all the training put me in the best spot I could be both physically and mentally and gave me the time to get my gear dialed in. Obviously, it's super fun to win, but really the goal is always to have a race like this, where you feel like you race your absolute best, no matter what the result, and left it all on the course. So thank you for all your support and getting me to this point. Will is an explore athlete who trains with our $25 a month coaching subscriptions. If you want to try out Virtual Coaching 2, remember that you can get a 30% discount as a podcast listener with the code RUNNINGLONG30. Let's get back to the podcast. So right now we are in this period of recovery um, before the races of um, of the summer. Um, yeah, we'll we'll get back to work soon um, because I don't want to keep you uh, on 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 recovery for too long. But uh, it was definitely needed after uh, the the fifty mile of Lake Sonoma. Um, I, yeah, I wanted, me, yeah. You don't want me to start smoking again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so I, I wanted to ask you a, a couple of things for, you know, maybe in general for athletes who were training, uh, not necessarily with vert, but uh, like based on your experience, what is the main value that you find in having a coach uh, in training with us? Um, I would say um, 
there's a lot of a lot of us who don't have coaches would go onto the internet and look for information. And you know, that's a bottomless pit of good and bad. It's very hard to decipher what's what's a good training approach and what's not. I think the most important thing is to commit to a singular kind of direction, something that's kind of formed and cohesive and not do a bunch of different types of training uh, yeah. from different schools of thought. And so having a coach um, or a coaching establishment like Vert brings things in and kind of condenses it into, into something that's more functional and usable for an athlete so you don't get so lost. So I think that's one thing. And another is accountability. And that's just, I think that's for most of us, having someone who at the end of the day, if you're really having that, oh, I'm so tired and I can't possibly put my shoes on and go outside and get this done. And you think, oh no, but somebody's going to see, like my coach is going to see that I didn't do it. That sometimes that accountability can be just the little push you need to <laughs> buy the shoes up and go out and get it done. So I think those uh, those would be the initial, uh, the kind of the simple and foundational initial um, positives. Yeah. Thanks. And uh, what is something that you learned through our exp your experience with Vert that maybe you wouldn't have expected before? Oh, um, I can mean, be about training or just in you know in general. I think, I think one of the things, well, with Vert in particular was I'd always felt like coaching was for, I don't know, you had to be sort of privileged to be able to have a coach. Um, and then that's why when Vert came along and, and it was like, oh, this is only like $6 a week or whatever, you know, like uh, it was, it was nice to be able to know that I was doing training without being irresponsible financially in the household and spending you know, $400 a month on my coach, which is what my cycling coach cost. Um, and it never felt good. So I think that was nice. And, and from the training perspective, what I really liked was seeing how all these different professional athletes, whether it be Ruth Croft or yourself would bring these training plans in and you could go and look at them and they, they really all were a, quite similar in a lot of ways. And you realize like people are sort of like, no one's got this magic, like the one magic plan that's wildly different than everyone else's. You know, I think in yeah. sports, you start to look for that and think like around the next corner, you're going to find just the right gel that does it or just the right, you know, training block that does it. But at the end of the day, it's, it, I think what I saw is it's just hard work. Consistent, yeah. good, smart, hard work. Yeah, exactly. No secrets, um, just like that. <laughs> That's true. Um, maybe a more personal question. What is it like to train under my guidance? Like, what do you like and what maybe do you not like about training with me? Well, obviously, <laughs> obviously, it's it's nice to go, oh, my my coach, Francesco Poofy, <laughs> you know, it's great to have a coach who's at a level like you. Uh, it makes it very, very easy to, uh, to respect and to trust your guidance. Uh, you're, you're obviously performing at a high level, but then on a, as a, on a human level, and I've really learned this working with you, particularly after Black Canyon was like, you know, you're a physicist, you're deep, you're a thinker, you, <laughs> you know, it's great. And so you get that whole human, um, that whole human connection to sport, as opposed to like sport and life are separate. 
Uh, I really have come to believe that sport is a component of our life as athletes and we're, we're, it's all one thing. It's not like this separate. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that's what I was mentioning uh, before, you know, I always try to put training in the context of the life of an athlete, Um, you know, from, the new ex explorer that sign up signs up with Bird. Uh, I always trying to understand what's his background, what does he do for a living, if he has a family, how much time he has to train, because you know it's the training that should adapt around your life and not the opposite, because otherwise it it doesn't really work. Like it's never gonna be in balance with the rest of your life. Um. So thanks, thanks for for these words. And um, final question um before we get to maybe some curiosities what is your perception about the elite side of the sport like the professional side of the sport of trail running because i'm always interested in like how professional runner are perceived from the rest of the community and you're sort of like in the middle between you know the the average runner and the pros, because of course you're a really good amateur runner. Um, so maybe you're the right person to ask since you have a, I feel like you have a good perception of both environments. Um, even though there is not a separation of course, between the pros and the, the amateurs, but I'm just interested, interested in hearing your take on this topic. If it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, it does make sense. And it's a great question. Uh, I would say there is there is a separation between the two, and I, and I think when you get in my position, it, you you feel it rather acutely because they are both communities. So we tend to run oftentimes with the people who are kind of at our level, or you know at the same speeds because that's that's how you are. We're all training. We're all so if you go training with people who are slower than you all the time, then you're going to be running too slow. And and if you're training with people who are too fast, you're running too fast. So we sort of settle into our groups. Uh, that's not to say those that's strictly how we do it, but um, so I feel a pretty a pretty defined separation between like amateur and elites because I I kind of have a foot in well I don't have a foot in elites but I I want to I've wanted to for a long long time and I've just never been able to get there so um, I think one of the things I see uh, the way I perceive pros is it's a changing dynamic of what it used to be. You know, it used to be pros were a marketing tool for product, but now with all like, I think with all the socials and the, and the influencers and, and this new marketing strategy of inclusion, that's becoming less and less a case. Um, I think that the average person um, and the slower runner and people who are struggling with addiction or uh, obesity, or those are people are sort of the new professional, meaning that brands are seeing marketing value in, in approachable and everyday people. So I think pros now is, are different than they used to be in that you don't, you're not selling a product as much as you're, you're promoting a growth in sport perhaps. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, like, I'd love to know what your take is on it, obviously, because, you know, you live in that world, but I, I don't think you're just um, salesmen for products anymore. You don't have to go and run a fast mile to validate a shoe, you know, no. yeah. although it does help. I'm, I'm definitely going to say people are looking to see what shoe is Jim Walmsley wearing and what, you know, 
what shoe, what, what are the shoes at the start of Zagama? And, you know, so yeah. I, I do see that in my, in my work at a running company. Um, but um, more and more, I'm seeing the real value of the pros of showing, showing people who are doing incredible things, exceptional feats in exceptionally beautiful places and, and uh, more on a daily basis, bringing deep messages on mental health and environmentalism and, you know, uh, climate yeah. control like that yeah. or even just like showing that even the pros struggle like everyone else like it's not that they're perfect i you know i feel far from perfect <laughs> and i struggle a lot with that i'm not a perfectionist but um you know i tend to put pressure on myself to do things in a certain way and uh i have very high standards for myself so when i don't meet those standards it, it becomes a problem and uh, I struggle and uh, you know even even in my social media or the way I, I talk to people I try to be open and honest about it and I think that's that has a value uh, that people can relate with um, and in this sense the pros are not separate from any other athlete because we're all on the same journey and struggling with similar things um, but I, I, I do um I I do agree with the point that you were making that the pros are not just mere marketing tools. Um and I think we will have a healthier sport if we will keep going in this direction. Meaning that I feel like you know trail running is and has been a sport very much controlled by brands. Uh, where the athletes have not always been at the center of the attention as they should. I feel like they they should. Um, but things are now changing slowly, um, but they're definitely changing. So, you know, hopefully with a lot of things that we are doing, that Vert is doing, that, uh, yeah, just a lot of people who deeply care about this community are doing uh, I hope we are building a better future for our sport, uh, whether that's for the pros or for any other athlete. I think in the end, uh, what matters is to make sure that everyone has the best possible experience when he's out there on the trails and is just happy doing what he's doing. Um, so, yeah, yeah that's and- my my take. And in races, you know, ninety-five percent of the people at a race are are there for for the community and for completion, and they're not trying to win or get on the podium. Yeah, it's a small group of people who are actually competitive or wanting to be competitive in races anymore. And you show up, and it's just a big, it's like a big party, and everyone's just hanging out on the trails and giving high fives. And and so I think that that's a. That's I hope a it great- remains like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I, you know, the the main competition is always within yourself. Um, even at a pro level, like I'm, I really want to get out. I I really want to get the best out of myself, but not to beat other people. That's just the consequence of getting the best out of me. But the competition is in first place with myself. Everything else is just, you know, a consequence. And I feel this is. This makes us all equal, uh, regardless you are a pro or an amateur runner. So, um, 
Yeah, a lot of times, actually, I, I don't understand why a lot of people put so much stress on their result. You know, I place, uh, you know, eighth place in my age group or or whatever. Yeah, it's it's good. But what matters to me is that you showed up and did your best. Um, and that's that's what you should be proud, not not much of, of the result, which, you know, it's nice in itself, but it mostly depends on who else is at the race, not just on your ability as a runner. So um, to me, what is important is the internal competition. Yeah. And, and the, and the placing and, and the, the position, the excitement of that is very short lived, you know, like mm -hmm. your podium yeah. time, it's short and, and then it's over and then you sort of, the excitement's gone. But if you execute the day well and you, and you're a great sports person and you're, you're positive and you say thank you to everybody and, and helpful like that experience that lives on much longer than any any podium experience. exactly exactly final round of short questions to maybe some curiosities that people may have uh, just short answers what's your favorite race favorite race um probably the revenant well favorite sports race food Oh, chips and a beer. <laughs> Favorite workout? The long run. Longer the better. Four hours plus. Awesome. Favorite way to spend a rest day? Mm, on the couch. <laughs> uh, Favorite trail shoes? Uh, Nike Pegasus Trail. Yeah. What number? Four. Four? Should have Nice. Yeah. Non-Gore-Tex. <laughs> yeah. And lastly, your favorite piece of gear to bring on the trails? Ooh, other than my shoes? Yeah. Naked belt. Leo, it's it's been a huge pleasure and uh, a very deep and thoughtful conversation. So thank you very much. Um, it's a privilege to be your coach. Um, again, congratulations for for Lake Sonoma uh, and also for Black Canyon, because I think we should highlight the wins, the good experiences, just as the less good or not, I don't like to call them negative experiences because it's all part of the same journey. So thanks for being who you are. And um, yeah, let's continue this journey together. Yeah, that sounds great, Francesco. And thank you for... <laughs> Thank you for everything and thank you, Vert, for making everything possible for me and so many other people. Thank you, everyone, for listening and see you on Vert. Thank you so much for listening to our great interview today. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting us with a rating and a review in your podcast player or by sharing it on social media, tagging me and Vertron. We would really appreciate that. If you haven't already downloaded the Vertron app, I encourage you to do so. There, you can connect for free with our trail runners of all levels in the Vertran community in our in-app groups. You can stay in trail shape with our free workout videos and get affordable coaching for your next trail running goal for only $25 a month. Thanks again for being here today. Until next time, I'm Francesco Puppi. Thank you for listening to Running Long. <laughs>